CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What are you doing? It is Wednesday, March 27th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Reader Studio mm. on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, no air drums. Oh, sorry. Legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson returns. We welcome Cards Against Humanity creator Max Timken and teacher-slash-activist Erica Wozniak. And now your host, the man who loves snapping. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Friends Like This Wednesday. And here's why. So I got a call the other day from an expat Chicagoan in L.A. who said, Hey, Ben, could you explain the Jussie Smollett case to me? And I'm like, could I? Man, this is my latest obsession. So here goes, everybody. The Ben Jarofsky shows ABCs to Jesse Smollett, starting with A. Jesse's a second-rate actor on Empire, a hit show for Fox TV. B, in late January, Jesse told a strange, twisted tale about getting mugged in the wee hours by a couple of MAGA hat-wearing thugs on Lower Wacker Drive while he, Jesse, was holding a Subway sandwich in one hand and his cell phone in another. C, no one believed Jesse. At least I didn't, because A, what is a MAGA hat wearing thug doing on Lower Racker Drive at the wee hours in the morning anyway? And B, <laughs> this is like A and B within the ABCs, Jesse never dropped a sandwich. That'd be B2. Oh, B2, yeah. That was key, everybody. How many times I'll be talking to Dennis, yo, D, Jesse never dropped a sandwich. <laughs> anyway, D. Now we're back to our list. <laughs> the, cop, the cops doubled down on her investigation. I mean, these dudes left no rock unturned, making me think E. <laughs> Most of these cops were, were so mad at Jesse because he was making MAGA hat looking guys <laughs> look bad. Just saying. Anyway, F. In the middle of it all, state's attorney Kim Fox quietly announced she's recusing herself from the case for un some unspecified conflict, prompting me to say, gee, there's something fishy going on here, prompting my wife to say, H, what? See, once again, folks, I was reading about the story while lying on the downstairs couch. And my wife was upstairs. She couldn't hear a word I'm saying. I'm screaming up the stairs to her anyway. I... Sure enough, the story breaks that Kim Fox got a call from Tina Chen, who's a high-powered lawyer who used to work for Michelle Obama. And Tina Chen was calling on behalf of some unnamed Smollett relative who wanted Kim Fox, follow me, people, who wanted State's Attorney Kim Fox to ask Police Chief Eddie Johnson to turn the case over to the FBI because the Smollett's thought there were too many leaks coming from the police department, prompting me to yell up the stairs to my wife, Jay, what, is she Donald Trump? 
see Trump being the other guy obsessed with leaks, prompting me to say, Kay, isn't it interesting that people only care about leaks when they're the ones getting leaked on? You know, that didn't really come out right. Anyway, Al, Smollett's story fell apart. It turned out that he allegedly paid two other actors from Empire to stage the mugging to build up sympathy so he could get this, get a pay raise from Fox. Interesting way of asking for a raise. Key word, by the way, in that sentence, allegedly, because Smollett denied the allegation, prompting me to tell my wife, M, yeah, right, allegedly, just like OJ. N, everyone was outraged, myself included, because money and police time was wasted investigating Smollett's nonsensical allegations, and that's money and police time that should have been spent looking into real crimes, and then, oh, boo, yesterday, the state's attorney's office announced that they're dropping their case, allowing Smollett to get off with what amounts to a $10,000 fine, which doesn't even cover a fraction of all the time and money the city spent investigating his nonsensical claims, prompting Jesse Smollett to proclaim, P, I've been exonerated, which is exactly what Trump said about the Mueller report. You know, I'm starting to think that the word exoneration doesn't quite mean what it used to mean. Anyway. Chicagoans everywhere are saying, Q, the fix is in. Say this for Chicagoans. They may not be that smart to understand how they're getting fleeced by Mayor Rahm's TIF programs, but they are smart enough to know when the fix is in, as in everyone asking R, did Kim Fox promise Tina Chen something we don't know about? Was that a pirate? Or... (laughs) Or as Rahm Emanuel put it, this is a whitewash of justice leading me to say S. Oh, my God. Rahm, you think this is unjust? Let me tell you about Lincoln Yards. Follow me, Rahm. That's where Chicago's mayor is taking $1.3 billion from the schools and other good things that we want to spend the money on and giving it to well-connected developers to develop upscale housing and gentrifying Northside communities. Oh, wait a minute. You're the mayor giving the developer the $1.3 billion. Never mind. Anyway, that pretty much sums things up. But you know, folks, the saddest part in all this, Jesse Smollett has made a mockery of real victims of hate crimes, and Kim Fox has made a mockery of alternative sentences for petty crimes. With friends like this, liberals, who needs Trump? We got a great show today, everybody. We got Monroe Anderson coming in to talk Trump. Trump, Trump, and Trump, right? Also, a little Jesse Smaller from Monroe. Monroe's been around the block a few times. He knows a good story when he sees it. Max Temkin, Cards Against Humanity, we hear at 2 o'clock. We talk about the poll he he had conducted uh, just a couple days ago about uh, the city, the reaction of Chicagoans to life in Chicago uh, on the eve of this mayoral election. Pretty interesting stuff in that poll. And a good friend of this show, the great Erica Wozniak, a public school teacher who took time off to run for Alder Woman in the 46th Ward. She fell short, but she'll be talking about the ups and downs of being a woman running for office in city of Chicago in 2019. So it's always fun to talk politics with Erica. And that's what we're going to be doing today, folks, talking politics, 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 and politics. But before we do any of that, the doctor. As the news. Guys, you know we're talking about politics today, right? Oh, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah. You're cracking me up today, Jarofsky. <laughs> All right, it's the middle of the day. Let's find out what's happening nationally this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, no major updates, really, on President Donald Trump and the Department of Justice attempting to gut health care as we know it. On Tuesday, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex 
Azar, or Azar, who knows, and our newest villain in D.C. these days, Attorney General Bill Barr, along with the Justice Department, argued that Obamacare and its provision protecting people with pre-existing conditions and stipulation that people under 26 can stay on their parents' plans, yeah, it should be thrown out. Oh, by the way, the guy's name's Bill Barr, not Bill Maher or Bill Burr. (laughs) Bill Barr. Bill Barr. Bill Barr. Bill Burr, is that you love Bill Burr, right? No, Isn't Bill that the comedian? Man. Oh yeah, Bill Burr's great. The guy's always yelling. Oh yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Boston comedian. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned yesterday, along with Donald Trump's nanny nanny boo boo no collusion tour, <laughs> this attack on Obamacare is for sure a strategic move from our president heading into his reelection campaign. By the way, go Team Blue so far. Uh, during a closed door House Democratic Caucus meeting, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi talked about strengthening the health care law, according to an aid in the room. And Pelosi urged House Democrats to remain focused on their agenda of pushing for lower health care costs along with policy priorities. Here's Nancy Pelosi. This is actually an opportunity for us to speak to the American people with clarity. They, they say one thing and they do another. Protecting and strengthening health care is why Democrats are here on day one. Now, Ben Jarofsky, what are the chances that this could backfire on old Donnie Trump and the fight to save Obamacare could actually help unite the Democratic Party in the 2020 election. Well, the chances are very good that it will backfire against Donald Trump to answer your specific question, because unlike Tony and Lori, I answer specific oh. questions. OK, direct question was asked to me and I answered that question. Runoff burn. Uh, now, what was the second part of the question? Oh, but let me tell you this right now. The Democrats are perfectly capable of turning this advantage into a disadvantage with their silly partisan fighting, as exemplified by what we're seeing happening in the city of Chicago in this mayor's race. That's the sounds of like two people punching each other and hitting each other. That was good. Yeah, yeah, people got that. You know. But uh, yes, listen, I... Everybody knows, big fan of Nancy Pelosi, and uh, I know that's good enough oh, you to get... see the poster in his room. <laughs> that's good enough to get me kicked out of a lot of far-left circles. I understand she's not popular with everybody, but she just talks common sense, and she's trying to stitch together a very diverse coalition, to put it uh, mildly, of all kinds of different people with all kinds of different political views who are basically Democrats, capital D Democrats, including a Bernie Sanders, who is a Democrat, even though he says he's not a Democrat. I'm so mixed up and confused. Anyway, and they all basically agree on one thing, that we have to have health care in this country, okay? Obamacare is not the perfect solution. I know that. But you shouldn't fight each other. You shouldn't go after other Democrats if their solution isn't as, quote unquote, perfect as your solution. And the reality is that what Donald Trump is proposing to do right now uh, is to destroy health care for pretty much anybody who doesn't have health care covered by their private employer. So this is a very dangerous moment for America and Americans and the Democrats have to stay to come on Democrats. Can you avoid fighting for just like one minute? Can you just avoid just ripping your throats out? I hate them. Come on, Democrats. Dang. 
Sorry, dude. Oh, hey, you left your uh, Nancy Pelosi book <laughs> on, the, uh, on the ground there. There you go. You know he loves Nancy Pelosi, I love guys. Nancy Pelosi. What can I tell you? All right. In other news nationally, we have an update on our former Vice President Joe Biden, <laughs> a.k.a. Grandpa Joe. Grandpa, I like Grandpa, too. And once again, no, the update is not uh, Joe Biden is running for president. Yeah. But this update could be a definite sign. Tuesday night, the former Vice President Joe Biden apologized for his role in the 1991 Clarence Thomas Supreme Court confirmation hearings. God. Biden was chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time, and many have pointed that in that the role he probably could have done something more. Take it away, Grandpa Joe. Well, let me grab the clip here. All right. Grandpa Joe, where'd he go? Yeah. Oh, there he is. Grandpa Joe, go. But she paid a terrible price. She was abused through the hearing. She was taken advantage of. Her reputation was attacked. I wish I could have done something. I opposed Clarence Thomas' nomination. I voted against him. But I also realized there was a real and perceived problem the committee faced. There were a bunch of white guys hearing this testimony in the Senate Judiciary Committee. So when Anita Hill, when Anita Hill came to testify, she faced a committee that didn't fully understand what the hell it was all about. To this day, I regret I couldn't come up with a way to get her the kind of hearing she deserved given the courage she showed by reaching out to us. The hearing she deserved was a hearing where she was respected, where the tone of the questioning was not hostile and insulting, where the fact that she stepped forward was recognized as an act of courage in and of itself. Ah, Jolton. Joe, Grandpa Joe, get ready to run, folks. He has to deal with that one because that is a huge problem for Joe Biden. And Dia, you are just an infant in in downstate Alton, Illinois, watching um, Arthur videos at the time when that went down. Arthur the anteater? No, wasn't there Arthur? Was it an anteater? Yeah, he's an anteater. Oh, that was the most annoying show in the world. But anyway, you were watching Arthur videos, but I was uh, utterly obsessed with politics and watching the Anita Hill hearings. Glued to the... Just the way I am obsessed with Jesse Smollett. Some things haven't changed. Anyway, and yes, uh, Joe, your behavior in those hearings were horrible. Not just you. You were like the least of it. Also on that committee, if I could go take a trip down memory lane, Ted Kennedy, former Senator Ted Kennedy, who had a notorious womanizer um, who, of course, uh, <laughs> drove a car off a bridge that led to the death of Mary Jo Kopechny back in 1969. The things I talk about. He was sitting. He was sitting right there. He was one of the senators. He couldn't even ask a question because it was so embarrassing, his mere presence. So, yeah, that was sort of a, a down moment, to put it mildly, uh, in the history of the uh, Supreme Court court confirmation hearings but you know what that's what you do you did something wrong you own up to it and uh you move ahead so joe biden clearly to me d is getting ready to run for president all right will he run won't he run we're gonna have to find out oh you left your arthur the anteater (laughs) was that an anteater arthur was an anteater yeah no aardvark I don't know. Uh, Aardvark, maybe. I don't know. But, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. I don't think we're going to update you on that Arthur thing. But, uh, (laughs) Vinny J, you ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon? I was born ready. Fantastic. I love that answer. Because coming up after this short little break, people, we're going to find out what else is news. You know, I can't wait because, like I always tell you, this is the time of the day where the doctor plucks that little trick out from his little sleeve. We'll see what it is. When we return. Oh, a Nancy Pelosi lunchbox. (laughs) Hey there, producer Dennis here. 
Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yes, indeed. We are back in our beautiful Reader Sun Times studio in the West Loop of Chicago. Man, things are looking great in our studio. Oh, yeah. We got all these new buttons. You know, we like to keep buttons. And um, yesterday we had a visit from our good friend, Peter Jenko, and he uh, dropped off a Bernie button. All right. So I got my Bernie. It looks like like it's Bernie with a marijuana leaf. Is that what that, that is? That would be a marijuana leaf. Oh, yo, I don't believe Bernie smokes, by the way. Oh, no. I, I'm sure he's for the legalization. Oh, 27. I smoke 10% of the 10% <laughs> that is in a bowl. And then the other 10% I left, leave for my friends. $27. By the way, I have to say this. Uh, we are, we're talking about uh, Grandpa Joe Biden uh, possibly running for uh, President Max Temkin uh, from... Cards Against Humanity will be in the studio, but he'll be joined by Kitty Kurth. I don't know if she'll be talking, but she'll be uh, helping him get here. Uh, Kitty, a longtime good friend of the Ben Jarofsky Show, political activist and strategist in the city of Chicago. I don't know if you know this, D. Mm-hmm. Huge supporter of Grandpa Joe. All right. So I got Max in the studio. I'm like, hey, Kitty, you think he's going to run? Yes or no? Uh, we got Kitty Kurth in the studio. We got to take advantage of it, right, D? Oh, no, you got to. All right, before we get to that. Let's get to the local news with the doctor. Absolutely. Name's Dennis. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What Else is News. And even with our 2019 runoff elections only six days away, it seems like everyone in the city of Chicago and around the nation, for that matter, just cannot, cannot stop talking about it. First of all, I want to thank my family, my friends, the incredible people of Chicago and all over the country and the world who have prayed for me, who have supported me, who've shown me so much love. No one will ever know how much that has meant to me, and I will forever be grateful. That's right. Oh, my God. Jesse Smollett, <laughs> or is it Juicy Smollett? Uh, <laughs> Smollett. Jesse Smollett? I don't know. Uh, Smollett. That's I believe good. it's French. Jesse Smollett, we're All calling right, him. Jesse. The Empire actor was arrested on 16 felony charges last month mm. for allegedly staging a racist and homophobic t- attack against himself. Mm. Smollett has since denied the accusations, and yes, it was announced on Tuesday that the prosecutors in this case have dropped 
all 16 charges on Smollett's criminal and Smollett's criminal record has been expunged. Now we have quite a bit to unpack here, Benny J. A lot of important people are weighing in on this, including both of our Chicago mayoral candidates. But Ben Jarofsky, we begin in your wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. Before he fades off into the sunset. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. Uh, All Rob. I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! <laughs> Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel yeah, expressed his disgust with the latest news on Mr. Smollett Tuesday. He, along with the police, Chicago Superintendent Eddie Johnson, well, they're not happy with the prosecutor's decision to drop all 16 charges. That's right. Rom's mad. Or at least that's what he wants us to believe. Mm-hmm. They, gave a, they gave a press conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Are> you okay? <laughs> Eating something there? Mm-hmm. I just an agreement. Oh, I thought you were enjoying that bagel. <laughs> oh, yeah. They gave bagel. a press conference on the matter. I have quite a few clips here, and we're about to play them, but... We must remind everyone, all right, before we play these clips from Mayor Rahm Emanuel, all of our new listeners out there, listen up here. We must remind all of you (laughs) of the golden rule when it comes to playing Rahm Emanuel Uh. audio clips on the Ben Jarofsky show, all right? And that rule is, and if you know it, sing along. Remember, (laughs) he's smart. And you're not. Got it, Chicago. For this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. You sure know how to cook. Here's Mayor Rom. One, on financial costs, this $10,000 doesn't even come close to what the city spent in resources to actually look over the camera, gather all the data, gather all the information that actually brought the indictment by the grand jury on many, many multiple different charges. Okay. That's just one. That's one. Number one. <laughs> Here's Ram again. It's what I would call the ethical cost. Uh, and the ethical cost is you have, a, as a person who was in the House of Representatives when we tried to pass the Shepard legislation that dealt with hate crimes, putting them on the books that President Obama then signed into law, to then use those very laws and the principles and values behind the Matthew Shepard hate crimes legislation to self-promote your career is a, is a cost that comes to all the individuals, gay men and women who will come forward and one day say they were a victim of a hate crime who now will be doubted. People of faith, Muslim or any other religious faith who will be a victim of hate crimes. People that have also of all walks of life and backgrounds, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation. Now this cast a shadow of whether they're telling the truth. And he did this all in the name of self-promotion. And he used the laws of the hate crime legislation that all of us collectively over years have put on the books to stand up to be the values that embody what we believe in. This is a whitewash of justice. Okay, I cannot disagree with anything Mayor Rahm just said. D, he articulated it very well. Mayor Rahm, I'm going to send you... Uh, a bagel from the bagel store that's across the street. There's no butt coming here? Uh, <laughs> there's a butt coming. Oh. But somehow or other, Mayor Rahm, <laughs> I don't believe that you are as truly outraged by this as you say you are. And when you speak about self-promotion, I have a feeling, to quote John Lennon, I've got a feeling, a feeling deep inside. Oh, see. Whoa, yeah. Oh, sorry. We got people downloading now. We don't want them to undownload. Oh, yeah, man. But they're in their cars driving home at a rush hour going, I love the Beatles. I get it all. I get that insightful knowledge of Chicago politics. And I get those great songs from the 60s. All right. Everyone's unsubscribed. Everybody had a wick. Can't say what they had. Anyway. Going back to Mayor Rahm, he's a master of self-promotion. So his outrage and indignation is about 
expressing outrage and indignation, I can't even get the words out, and promoting himself. In this case, distancing himself from any responsibility with anything to do with the uh, dropping of charges against Jesse Smollett. And let me, D, I'm just going to tell you it's working. I'm going to read you today's uh, lead from the New York Times front page story on this. Chicago makes the front page of the New York Times. Hey. All right. Now, Rom is very concerned of what the New York Times has to say about him. He's always cultivating the New York Times, sending them email. You didn't send me emails. Is this you the know? first time uh, that uh, Chicago's made the paper since uh, Rom's uh, essay? Uh, no, 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 no. They, it, it's, I mean, uh, the New York Times. No, it's been in the Chicago's been the New York Times uh, since then. Uh, most recently when uh, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle emerged uh, for the runoff. Anyway, here's the lead in a startling about face on Tuesday that drove a rift between Mayor Rahm Emanuel and local prosecutors. The Cook County State's Attorney's Office dropped all charges against the Empire actor, Justice Small. Let, let's go back, folks. What's in the lead? Drove a rift between Mayor Rahm Emanuel and local prosecutors. This has worked. <laughs> he has been officially distanced in the New York Times for any culpability uh, in the uh, Justice Smollett uh, dropping of charges. And let me just say this. I would have loved to have seen some outrage from Rom in the, let's say, like the Laquan McDonald video. How about that? How about this one, Mayor Rom? Little outrage over $1.3 billion in property taxes going to gentrify an already gentrifying neighborhood. How about some outrage there, young man? Anyway, D. All right. Well, hey, keep it going here. Rom goes on. Where is the accountability in the system? You cannot have, because of a person's position, one set of rules apply to them and another set of rules apply to everybody else. In another way, you're seeing this play out in the universities where people pay extra to get their kids a special position in universities. Now you have a person because of their position and background who's getting treated in a way that nobody else would ever, sorry about that, would what? Don't get near, I'm doing near my sermon here. <laughs> okay. That would credit. ever get close to this type of treatment. I got to give him credit for that. I got to give him credit for uh, making like a little, poking a little fun at himself about this. I wonder, uh, sorry about it. What did he elbow somebody? Yeah, someone got in the way. Oh, sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to knock you out. It was uh, Mike Flannery knocked him out. Uh, but uh, yeah, listen, I can't argue with anything he said. Uh, you know what? I appreciate him for saying it, but come on, we all know. <laughs> we all know Rom's got an ulterior motive. That's all right, Mayor Rom. That's okay. Promote yourself uh, while castigating him for promoting himself. Yeah, yeah. So Mayor Rom is uh, a little flustered uh, today with the dropping, well, the charges dropped on one Jesse Smollett. Mayor Rahm was then invited to do his favorite thing ever, which, by the way, is appear on television shows that are located anywhere besides Chicago. WTTW's uh, Paris Schutz knows what I'm talking about. He was asked to join the one and only Wolfie B. Wolf Blitzer on CNN. You know, CNN, one of several television stations with Rahm Emanuel's political pundit resume on file. CNN, yeah. But it really was a lot of the same stuff uh, you heard in the previous clips there. Uh, except for this moment that I had to play for you, Ben. It's a little moment between Mayor Rahm and Wolf Blitzer. Let's go ahead and hear that. Wolf, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> you and I are both Jewish. If on your front door there was a swastika or mine, and it found out weeks later after all the empathy that either you or I had put that swastika on our door, we would get off with two days of service at the Anti-Defamation League? Really? 
That's what would happen here? So why do you think the uh, Cook, why do you think the Cook County prosecutor then went ahead and dropped these charges? I, I cannot answer that question. The state's attorney, the head of the, the state's attorney has recused herself. I cannot answer the question for what the office did. They consult did. with did because they inform listen, you? Did they inform you in no. advance that this was about to happen? Because uh, all of us know what's been going on over these past several weeks. No. Uh, Wolf Blitzer, look, guys, let me tell you something. Wolf Blitzer's great entertainer. Love Wolf Blitzer. I mean, you know, he's going on. Okay, uh, when I'm in an airport, I don't really see uh, cable TV. You know, but when I'm in an airport, I'm watching. I'm sitting there waiting for the plane. I see Wolf Blitzer. Okay, that's a great Wolf Blitzer impression. <laughs> sure, he'd love that. And every now and then, like you're watching a movie, and they want you to think that like what's happening in the movie is in real life. Yeah, so they'll yeah. bring in Wolf Blitzer and they'll interview the guy in the movie. <laughs> great, but. Never, ever, ever bring in an outside reporter to ask somebody from Chicago about what's going on in Chicago because you don't know about Chicago. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I don't know. Oh, the New York Times. Let's uh, interview Ram about. Well, the uh, pizza's great, right? <laughs> you love the pizza. Well, they have deep dish pizza in Chicago. Dibs. That's where people put chairs in front of their. Oh. <laughs> and on the north side, they like the Cubs. But interesting enough, Dennis, on the south side, they like the White socks <laughs> all right guys let me just break it down for you the state's attorney that rom alluded to when he was talking to wolf blitzer is kim fox kim fox really irritated rom and part of the payback is that rom is getting back you know what i human nature man to quote michael jackson da, da, da. The song Human Nature. Anyway, oh yeah, uh, that's Human Nature. Um, it's Gutsy human... move <laughs> quoting Michael Jackson these days. By the way, he's got guts. <laughs> Michael Jackson's about as popular as Jesse Smollett in the city of Chicago. Anyway, uh, Kim Fox, of course, was the um, attorney who defeated Anita Alvarez, largely on the basis of a backlash against the state's attorney uh, for the handling of the Quan McDonald shooting. And um, the, the accusation throughout the city of Chicago was that Anita Alvarez didn't do nearly enough uh, to investigate and prosecute uh, Jason Van Dyke, who was the cop that shot Laquan McDonald. That outrage was also generated at Rahm Emanuel and Gary Big Mac McCarthy, who was his police chief of that. I'm bringing back ancient history, folks. It was only two years ago. And so there was like activists would say uh, after Alvarez no, first McCarthy was fired. Then Alvarez uh, was defeated by Kim Fox. And then it was like, we got Rom. That's it. We're going to get Rom. And then Rom dropped out. So as a result, you could say there were three people paid for it with their careers for what happened uh, for the shooting of Laquan McDonald. Rom hasn't forgotten that, folks. You know that. It's like in the back. Oh, Kim Fox, you think you're so pure, huh? You think you're like white driven snow. I'll show you. I'm mad. I'm mad. How can you do this? She recused herself. So I would have liked, uh, you know, Wolf Blitzer to say, Rom, is this a little payback? Is this a little like payback Wednesday? We're calling this payback Wednesday, and here's why. And then Rom would have said, I am outraged that you would suggest such a thing. I would just out, I am outraged that you would suggest, and I would even be remotely guilty of payback and as opposed to just believing that justice should be served. So anyway... That's my interpretation of Rom's participation on the Wolf Blitzer Show. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what is going on in Chicago. Thank you.
you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! By the way, where the hell's our 2.30 guest, Monroe Anderson? 1.30. Oh, 1.30 yeah. guest. Where's he at? I don't know. I'm sure he's on his way. Oh, Lord. Uh, well, anyway, we're going to take a brief break. And now you'll have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? Let me tell you something. Tell me. Something that Mike Flannery... Something that Ned Flanders agrees with. Oh boy. Ned Flanders from one of your favorite characters from The Simpsons. And something that Ned Peabody, a kid who went to high school, all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We'll be right back. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't? Contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp at C-O-R-P as in Paul dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read The Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. All right, Will, to our uh, 130 guest, Monroe Anderson, just informed me that uh, he got caught in traffic. How about uh, that? That'll huh? happen. That'll happen. Traffic will happen. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't uh, pay to fix the street lights and the uh, potholes. I turn everything into a political conversation, Dion. Uh, anyway, he is uh, on his way. He'll be here real soon. He's just parking his car. So, D, you're going to have to run out the door. Uh, and, uh, several hats. Several, several hats. hats here. Still uh, here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. On the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yes, indeed. Several hats. D, didn't you have a little clip that you were going to play? Uh, regarding the um, uh, last night's debate? I have several clips. You want to talk about the debate last absolutely. night? Absolutely. While we're waiting for Moreau, let's talk about the debate. All right, absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, now, one of the big issues that came up during last night's debate, Fox 32, by the way, the last debate that these two candidates are going to have, thank God. Is that right? Is it, was that the last one? it's the final one between Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot, the televised debate, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, um, I think, yeah, you're right. I think there's still a couple more forums, including one that uh, Maya is participating in. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember she mentioned that. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as televised debates, I believe that's the last one well 
Mike Flannery was the, uh, the the moderator of this debate here. And just like how the city can't stop talking about it, well, Flannery couldn't stop talking about it either. The big subject here of last night's debate, yeah, you guessed it, Jesse Smollett. So we have clips from uh, last night's debate. Lori Lightfoot, should Chicagoans be embarrassed by the Jesse Smollett case and its outcome today? Well, I don't think we need know enough yet to be able to answer any questions, but it certainly raises a lot of questions. Obviously, a significant amount of police resources were spent both in uh, uh, following up on the allegation of a hate crime and then the a subsequent uh, uh, investigation that led to the charges. Um, I have a lot of questions as to why these charges were dismissed. I don't, from what I understand, there wasn't a fulsome explanation of that, and I think the public deserves to, to hear it. I also want to know what the terms were of that dismissal. Um, I worry, of course, about any potential liability, i.e., can Smollett now come back and sue the police, particularly because his public comments and those of his lawyers were no acceptance of responsibility whatsoever for the underlying allegations. So I think we need to know a lot more, but I'm concerned with what we know so far. All right. First of all, I've been mispronouncing his name, old Smollett. I thought Who it was knows? Small. It's like Tony Dorsett and Dorsett. Remember that? Tony mm-hmm. Dorsett used to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Anyway, um, once again, the first part of the question. See, I got this thing, D. When someone asks me a question, I, I feel this compulsion to directly answer the question. Uh, and that's why one of the many reasons, the list would be like over 100 reasons why I can never go into politics. Because you just get in nothing but trouble. Yeah. Uh, that and, of course, all the things I've written and said over the years would be immediately turned into a uh, attack of Ben Jarofsky said, blah, blah. And people go, oh, my God, I'm going to like a guy like that. Uh, anyway, but uh, so the question was, should Chicago be embarrassed? And then she, you know, she didn't I, just that's like an instinct that politicians have. They just ah, I don't want to deal with that part of the question. So I'll just go somewhere else. I'll answer it a little differently. And yeah, we should be embarrassed. The whole thing is freaking embarrassing. It just exposes so much about how Chicago operates. Everything about it exposes so much different things. The politicization of everything in the city of Chicago. The fact that uh, Smollett has a relative who's since unnamed who feels compelled to call uh, Tina Chen a prominent lawyer who feels like she can just text the uh, state's attorney and say, hey, can we, uh, can you move this case? That in itself is embarrassing. I mean, are we supposed to have come some kind of distance between our investigators and the people that they're investigating or the cases they're investigating? And then the way Kim Fox just said, sure, I'm going to raise that subject with Eddie Johnson, like totally undercutting the police. Yeah, the whole thing is embarrassing. We should be embarrassed. It makes us look bad. It, it kind of confirms everything that anybody thinks about the city of Chicago. That's how I would answer the question, folks, which is why I would never, ever, ever make it that far in Chicago. You can imagine someone in Chicago saying that, you know what I mean, as a response to a question. Flannery would rip me a shreds in the next one. Once again, we're playing last night's uh, clips from last night's debate at Fox 32 between Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot, a mayoral runoff from Fox 32. Mike Flannery was the moderator here. And Ben, I think we, we can go have a beer with old Mike Flannery. I think <laughs> we get along just fine because he brings up something that we always talk about here on the show. Mm-hmm. Basically, Mike Flannery gets it, all right? Tony Preckwinkle, in, in a series of these forums and debates, I've counted uh, some of your uh, questioners have had to ask four or five times. Yeah! <laughs> you got to ask like four or five times! <laughs> who does Flannery sound like? I don't know. It, it sounds like someone. I don't know who it is. 
Uh, by the way, we got to get Mike Flannery in here. He told me he would come on the show, but he is a bulldog. Tony Preckwinkle, in, in a series of these forums and debates, I've counted uh, some of your uh, questioners have had to ask four well, or five, five times. times. <laughs> yeah, now, uh, I agree with him, and I've been there with Tony Preckwinkle over the years. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle is a very frustrating person uh, to have to interview. Now, I know that people out there are not gonna feel sorry for a reporter trying to get an honest, straight answer from a politician, all right? But trust me when I tell you, when reporters get together and they talk about the most evasive politicians there are in the city of Chicago, Tony Preckwinkle is generally at the top of the list. She long ago mastered the art, if you can call it an art, uh, answering a direct question with an answer that has nothing to do with the question asked and it's just merely a stipulation or a statement of what she wanted to say it's by the way quite a great a thing to get through in life can you imagine a job interview so dennis how much experience do you have in radio let me tell you why i love the st louis cardinals okay man blue brock what a heck of a ball player and can i tell you about red shane deans over at second base i like basketball all right so here's tony preckwinkle talking about jesse smollett did State's Attorney Fox and her office mishandle this case? You know, I don't know the specifics of the, of the State's Attorney's opinion on, on why they decided uh, to drop the charges. We didn't really get an explanation. You know, and, and, and I'm not a lawyer and I'm not, a, not the State's Attorney, and I think it's really important that, that the State's Attorney be allowed to, to provide a, more, uh, a, a fuller explanation uh, as time goes on. But, you know, I, I've been concerned about equity in our criminal justice system for my entire uh, public life and particularly worked hard on these issues over the last eight years. Are you disturbed that the uh, after the grand jury found 16 uh, counts to have the case just disappear like this? You know, I'm sure the state's attorney will at the appropriate time respond more more fully as to the reasons that her her office took this action. Wow. All right, that is uh, Exhibit A, uh, <laughs> not really dr uh, directly answering to a question. And, and look, here's the deal, folks. Uh, Kim Fox, who is the state's attorney, who is a, uh, a protege of Tony Preckwinkle. Tony Preckwinkle, so she used to work for Tony Preckwinkle. Tony Preckwinkle was instrumental in her rise through the ranks and in her election uh, as state's attorney back in 2018 in the crucial primary against Anita Alvarez. Uh, was it 2008? No, 2016, excuse me. So um, obviously, Tony Preckwinkle is going to be a little protective of Kim Fox. And again, an honest answer, in my humble opinion, D, would be to own up to that. Now, I don't know if you get far in politics doing that, but if you just said, you know what? I've been a longtime ally of Kim Fox. I've worked with Kim Fox. She worked for, with me. I supported her campaign. I'm a little concerned about what went down in this particular case. I've not had an opportunity to talk to I mean, something like that. I'm making it up as I go along. Although I have to wonder, why didn't Tony Preckwinkle call Kim Fox and say, hey, what, what happened here? And this goes back to when uh, Kim Fox first recused herself, which was like early on in this case, D where uh, Kim Fox didn't come out clearly and say why she was doing it. And that, that, uh, why, that uh, question was only answered after, I can't remember which paper, the Sun-Times the Tribune did a, a FOIA request and got text messages, or excuse me, uh, emails. Always the emails. You notice that, D? It's always the emails. The emails uh, from um, uh, Kim Fox and uh, Jesse Smollett. I'm going to get that right. Uh, relatives about, uh, you know, moving the case from Chicago's uh, jurisdiction to the FBI. So I do. I'm, I am concerned that, um, uh, you know, that's a legitimate question for Mike Flannery to ask, I should say, is why, you know, did Tony Preckwinkle show a little more interest 
in this very high-profile case regarding her uh, key ally, Kim Fox. And, you know, you know what do they always say? Plausible deniability. You just want to deny that you have any role or responsibility, and you just want to separate yourself from the controversy and hope it doesn't touch you. And that's clearly what's going on with Tony Preckwinkle there. The Smollett mania continues. By the way, this is going to be a, a key thing we're talking about today here. Here's Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot. I, I think that we have to have some real answers. In the time that these detectives were doing the work and really focusing like a laser beam on this case, we know we have literally thousands, if not tens of thousands, of unsolved homicides, other violent crimes, where I, I run into people all the time talking to me about the detectives won't call me back. I have no resolution. So I think the public has to have answers as to why these charges were dismissed, what the underlying basis was, particularly in light of the allegations that were made by uh, the state's attorney at the time that the charges were first announced that looked like they had a very airtight case against Smollett for faking uh, a hate crime. Well, and, and at the bottom of this is this, this alleged faking of a hate crime, which clearly uh, some officials believe actually did happen. What ought to be done in the wake of that? Well, I think... I, is, again, is there I think, something broader about hate? And, and we also have well, a police well, I officer. Course, I think the real, real challenge here, you know, let's face it, the LGBTQ community is the subject of harassment and hate crimes. So that's one of the reasons that there was such... Uh, an, it's such an outcry about this incident. All right, uh, Tony Perkwinkle getting uh, making a, a good point there, and of course that point uh, is undercut by uh, the fact that it, it's pretty obvious that Jesse Smollett gonna get it right. D. You're doing good. Oh uh, yeah, I'm Jesse doing awful. Smollett uh, made the whole thing up, and I'm happy to say. Uh, that the great Monroe Anderson has made it into the studio. And before we hear from Monroe, let's just play this last clip here. It's Tony Preckwinkle on Jesse Smollett. Look, hate crimes do happen, sadly. People are fomenting hate and dissent on a regular basis, and they're trying to divide us. We had two uh, um, black trans women that were killed last year. Their um, murders still remain unsolved. So we don't want to diminish the reality that people are still being targeted on the basis of who they are, what they believe. Is there something larger? Well, I think you know. I think it's an allocation of police resources, and unfortunately, a lot of police resources went into this case. Whereas we know, I mean, we've got some real challenges around violence in our city, particularly murders and shootings. And you know, we have in Chicago more murders than New York and Los Angeles combined. And we're the third largest city in the country. And we have, unfortunately, very few arrests made, suspects arrested, in these murders. In, in our, our nation, 62, 63 cases out of 100, a suspect is arrested. But in the city of Chicago, it's 15 out of every 100. And, and what we know that means is if, if you're in a community in which is, there's a lot of violence, you know that it's unlikely that the perpetrator of that violence is ever going to be brought to justice. All right. Uh, listen, uh, this is exactly why uh, what Justice Smollett did was so egregious. And the fact that he got away with it uh, just uh, compounds the egregiousness of it. That Monroe Anderson, uh, before we get to Trump, 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 I'm going to do some Chicago, Chicago, Chicago with you. You've been around this town a long time. Yes. And you know, when you hear uh, Tony Porcoco talk about the fact that we don't have enough detectives to investigate all the crimes that are real serious crimes, and you see how much time was spent investigating these bogus claims by Jesse Smollett, you have to, it, it's like, I don't know, in this case, I, the police are damned that they do and damned that they don't on this particular uh, matter. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I, 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 I do. Because he, he was a celebrity, they spent way too much time on this to begin with. 
Um, and I'm, I'm sort of torn between, I thought they overcharged him. 16 counts sounded like a lot for a dumb prank. Although, of course, the ramifications are serious. You can't dismiss those. Mm-hmm. But um, you have policemen who are killing people, shooting them 16 times, that um, almost walk away scot-free. So the system is broken. You know, it's not justice. We need to overhaul it from here to Washington, D.C. That's my opinion. What do you think happened? What do you think went down? Why do you think they uh, dropped the charges against them the way they did it? I, I, I don't know. But my suspicion is, okay, hit show in Chicago, mm-hmm. making, bringing plenty of bucks in. Um, friendships have been developed between the producers and um, maybe the prosecutor. I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was um, typical Chicago favoritism. It happens all the time. And do you think that uh, Rahm's outrage that he's been professing for the last 24 hours or so is real? Uh, oh, yeah, because he's been embarrassed. And, and he's been very busy working on his legacy. <laughs> the legacy project. Yeah, exactly. And this does not sit well in his plans. Yeah. He could go out as the um, the mayor who, who, who let a TV star make a fool of his entire police. Yeah, force. so he's doing everything he can to distance himself from it. And let's not forget, as I was saying earlier, uh, he, there is no love loss between Rahm Emanuel and Kim Fox because she, of course, uh, represents uh, the sort of like the personification of the uprising that had occurred politically speaking in the city of Chicago in the wake of the Laquan McDonald uh, right. video. And Rahm himself is more or less a target of that same uprising, if you follow what I just oh, said. Oh, yeah, no, he is because he sat on the information for a year, the, the um, video. He, tr- he tried to keep that out. Um, and, you know, so this is sort of like the chickens coming home to roost. You know, Chicago police have this code of honor that they honor. And um, so they're getting bad press, um, first of all, because it's, it looks like a race, a race anti-gay crime. Mm-hmm. And then it's not. And um, the, the chief goes on n- national TV talking about it. And outraged about it. I mean, it, it, it's it's an embarrassment. Now, let me ask you this, Monroe. You're, you've been around a long time. You know when to be skeptical of uh, all kinds of stories you hear. When that story first emerged, I don't think we've ever talked about it. When that story first emerged about the, what was it, 2 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, got yeah. mugged by the guys with the MAGA hats. And right. They, they put the rope around and this, right. that, and the other thing. Did you believe it, or was there a part of Monroe Anderson? It was, it was a part of me that was very skeptical. <laughs> That's that on, Gary yeah, in right, him, man. Exactly. But on the other hand, yeah. you know, it, <laughs> it is possible in Chicago. I mean, I've been um, almost assaulted in my own neighborhood, so I know it can happen. But I worked in that area at WBBM-TV for 13 years, so I know the area, and it's unlikely to happen especially on a very cold day yeah. in the middle of the night. Yeah. And so it, it was something that didn't sit right with me, but um, 
I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. And that, that uh, benefit wore out about uh, a week into the story, exactly. I think it is. When, as soon as I heard he didn't drop the Subway sandwich, uh-uh, no way. He's still well, you know, I, I mean, the, 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 yeah. it seems to me that the guy, the guy has money. He could have paid somebody to go get a sandwich or to deliver it to him, even at that hour. There you go. That's the Gary inside of him. You can take a kid out of Gary, Indiana. You can't take the Gary, Indiana out of the kid. Very skeptical street guy, Monroe Anderson. All right, let's put that skeptical. Skepticism to good work here. Uh, take moving away from Jesse Smollett and Mayor Rahm and uh, Eddie Johnson and Kim Fox. Let's talk about your favorite to- topic: Trump, 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 and Trump. Just the other day, uh, the Mueller report was issued. Yes, uh, it was not released to the public. Uh, I believe only one person has seen it. Is that correct, uh, Attorney to, General Barr? Yeah, right. Uh, and to, to our knowledge. Uh, to our knowledge. Yeah, I. I I'm sure some of his aides may have read it, whatever. Oh, sure. Trump, Trump and his people may have, well, Trump didn't read it, but his people may have read it. Uh, so, all right, first of all, your take, you had predicted that Trump would be gone from office, uh, was it the 4th of July or Labor Day? Independence I can't Day. Independence Day. Independence Day. All right, and so you, you would be independent of Donald Trump by the 4th of July. Yes. Are you still sticking with that prediction? Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think I'm crawling back from that limb. <laughs> If you will recall, yeah. I said I was going out on a limb. Uh, yes, you did. Yes. And then you were sawing it off yeah, as you right, went out there. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, th- I, I think I'm going to be a tree hugger. <laughs> no more limbs for Monroe Anderson. But I, I will safely say uh-huh. that he is a crook. He had the most <laughs> corrupt administration in American history. All right. Let, let's tie the two cases together. Okay. Who was more exonerated, Jesse Smollett by the dropping of the charges or Donald John Trump by the Mueller report? The, well, you mean the Barr report. Oh, yes. That's you have wrong terminology. We don't know what the Mueller report says. So it should be the Barr letter. I think yeah, it's just right. a letter well, that was sent yeah, from exactly. Barr. Okay, the, the Barr. Barr. Yeah, in, in fact, um, Colbert did a skit on it last night where it was um, – Bar bars notes like Cliff's notes with <laughs> 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 versions of, of Dromeo and Juliet or something. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah, that is funny. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's just make it easy. Condense right, exactly. it. One right. sentence. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and not true either. You know, the, the sentence that the the summary was not necessarily true. Yeah, well, that's why I say there's a natural comparison between uh, Smollett and Trump because right. they dropped the charges against Smollett without saying you know he was innocent, right. and he acted as though he you know he he'd oh, been yeah. found his, innocent. Exactly, his mother was would be proud of. But probably my family that stayed with me, you know. And then Trump, that the letter clearly states uh, he is not exonerated. He goes, I've been exonerated. Exactly, exactly. No, there was, it's. Uh, I, I compare the two, and, and my position is they both got get out of jail free. That's <laughs> what they did, get out of jail free. Uh, so, all right. So, what do you what do you think the Democrats should do now with the situation that they're confronted with with um, uh, the uh, Mueller report, which is not really a report. I mean, well, it is a report, it just hasn't been released. Yeah, What's right. the next step? Well, first of all, they've got to make them, and which is what they're doing, but they've got to force them to release the report, not the sanitized version, the, the bar notes version. If it really exonerated Trump, 
they would have dumped the whole thing on us on a Monday, not not on a Friday when you do a news dump. They would have dumped it on, with with highlights. We'd have had highlights of the quote saying that no Russians anywhere, um, whatever you know. Uh, but they they. they you got this abbreviation mm-hmm. with a nice fairy tale. He's 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 he, he no, no collusion. And now this is from the guy who auditioned for the job. If you remember, he wrote a night nineteen Barr. page. Yeah, Barr, Attorney wrote, General yeah, William Barr. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now Attorney General. Yeah, he was just a, a lawyer at the time. This was in June. He wrote a nineteen-page letter saying that a president couldn't be indicted. Uh, while he was in office, and and on and on and on, Trump hires him for that reason. Yeah, and he does what Trump wants, which is to bury the evidence. Yes, mm-hmm. to whitewash it. To, to Rob, right. speaking exactly. of Rob's lawyers, right. exactly. Well, it's a whitewash. Yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, so. All right, so that leaves, uh, the. there's two issues. There's a legal issue and a political issue. Yeah. Uh, let's put Well, the, first of all, we don't know if the legal issue is as resolved. It could be. Yeah. You know, again, uh, it's, uh, we'll see. It could be. But, um, you know, the, 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 the sentence where they talk about how um, there was no collusion, mm-hmm. it was edited. It was a quote from Mueller, but they had the. It was a a small T that they they bracketed and made it a capital T. Yeah. So some part of the sentence in the Mueller report right. had been dropped out. Yeah. And we don't know what that is. So that would be like if uh, I said uh, uh, Ben Jarofsky is dot dot dot. Uh, the greatest basketball player of all time. Right. And then if you went back and saw the knot was dropped out. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Right. Uh, right. It's always, yeah, the editing is where the, uh, the dirty deal goes. So, so okay. So that's we, the legal issue. Let's just put to the side, okay. the legal issue of what Trump did and what he didn't do and okay. what the Mueller report uh, stipulates exactly what the evidence is, all this information right. that uh, has been uh, gathered over the course of two years right. at considerable expense and trouble. It's well, inter- when you compare it to the expense of Trump going to Mar-a-Lago every week, it's pennies. I mean, it, it was twenty-five million. Trump has has spent ninety-four million dollars wow. of Americans' money, you know, with security, and he, and he even forces the um, the uh, Secret Service to rent the golf co- carts. To follow him in his golf cart. Well, I did not know that little detail. Oh yeah, right. He so he is billing the U.S. government. Yes. Uh, for the cost of driving the golf carts to yeah. follow him. Yes. And the money goes to his facility. Yeah, to Margolard. I missed that detail. Oh yeah, no, he's he's incredible. You can impeach him for that one alone. Right, exactly. All right. Uh, so putting aside again the legal implications of what's in that report because we don't know what's in the report. So. Right. Uh, Politically, politically, yeah. there's how do you think this is going to play? I've been following this one uh, very carefully. Monroe reading Republicans are pounding their oh, chest. Yeah. But this this is what's so wonderful about Trump. He stepped on his own message. You know, now he was going on and on about his being exonerated and uh, these horrible Democrats, and they were going to investigate the FBI and see who these people who plotted against mm-hmm. him. And then, lo and behold, what does he do? He 
has his Justice Department sign up to kick out the um, Obamacare completely. Mm. And so that story has taken over. Yeah. Well, that, that, okay. Now, that's, we were talking about that earlier in regards to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi's, it seems as though uh, Nancy Pelosi's advice to the Democrats is forget about, for the moment, uh, collusion with Russia. Forget about, for the moment, talk of impeachment. Forget right. about, for the moment, even the Mueller report. Right. Let's concentrate on the issue of health care, which is a winning issue exactly. for us. Uh, and uh, that's her message. I'm not sure the the full Democratic Party will follow her on it, and I'm not sure Monroe Anderson that I want them to follow her on it because I want to see what's in the Mueller report. And if you just drop it now, well, they're not going to drop it. Okay. Drop it. What they're going to do is put it on the back burner. I mean, they, they will be pushing for it. Uh, they will continue, but right now, Trump handed them such a gift politically for them to deal with that they can do that. In fact, uh, the Democrats can walk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) I've had my doubts in the past, but now I've I've come to be a believer that they could do those those two things. All right, so in other words, you're saying that you believe that the Democrats will continue to follow the strategy of forcing the issue of Mueller. Putting aside health care, there's two separate uh, lines of attack that they will be following. One will be the health care issue, which is a totally legitimate issue. Right. Very scary and well, frightening. Well, the Mueller, the Mueller report is a, a legitimate issue, too. We, after we spent all that time and energy, we need to know what exactly is in the report. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what Barr did is as if he got his 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 um his 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 report card. He's a seventh grader. He got his report card from um, his teacher, and he gives his parents an interpretation of the report card as to the actual <laughs> report card. Yeah. And, and his, his his interpretation says, "Your son Bill Barr is an exceptional student." Yeah. And he didn't skip class. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't cut class. Give him an A. Right. He's actually right. Right. And uh, so what, what, what's your sense uh, of what's in that mother? Do you have any, like, just based on that sentence, it did not exonerate him. What do you think uh, is in that report uh, that's really particularly damaging to Donald Trump? Because they go out of their way to say it does not exonerate him. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I think Mm-hmm. We'll see, but I, I think what Mueller was doing was teeing it up for impeachment. He he was he was, he went the opposite of what Comey did. You know, Comey went out there and just really messed things up with with, with said, well, she did this. Wait, well, she Comey did with Hillary with Clinton. Hillary yeah. Clinton, yeah, he messed things up. So he was overreacting the other way. So he 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 put all the evidence. All the evidence is in there. Particularly for for struck, uh, um, uh, obstruction. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've been seeing that in broad daylight, in plain sight. Yeah, that Trump has been instru- obstructing. So what he did was just put it out there. Okay, but we have Barr's interpretation where he doesn't believe that a president can do that. He he doesn't believe that a president, while in office, because he's in charge, can obstruct. And his argument was that in order to obstruct justice, there has to be a crime. And since there was no collusion, then Trump couldn't be obstructing justice. Now, what's wrong with that theory Mm -hmm. 
is that, okay, if I um, robbed, burglarized your house last night, and then uh, we're going through the them trying to figure out if I did it or not, and I'm able to obstruct them so much of finding out the evidence that I'm free, then our our, our whole legal system works worse than it does now. Yeah, if you can just if if you can keep the evidence out of it some kind of way. All right. So I've already asked you about how what the Democrats will do. Now, how far do you think the Republicans will go to keep the public from seeing what information is in that report? Well, how far will they go to bury the Mueller report? What they how, will do? The, the Republicans have no shame, no scruples, no morals, no nothing. Yeah. So they will go. They will do whatever it takes to, to prevent that from coming out. I think uh, what they're doing, what, what Trump is teeing up for right now, is. Um, he said that no president should be subjected to what he's been subjected to. Mm-hmm. So he's got to t- shift it away from him. And because he's so concerned about future presidents. Yeah, right. He's, he's so worried about <laughs> exactly. the Democrat who will follow yeah, him. Right, exactly. So he's going to fight on the grounds of, well, a president needs to be protected. And when mm-hmm. these type of things, this should never happen again. It, and again, sh- um, give us a shiny o- object, shift it. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, may be uh, setting himself up. Uh, our next guest has uh, just arrived. Uh, the traffic in the Ben Jarofsky show is just people moving in, people moving out, as the song says. Uh, Max Temkin is here, and uh, he brought with him Kitty Kurth. I already suggested to our listeners, I may ask her, but she's shaking her head. She's not here, even though I see her. No, uh, but I just had a Joe Biden question I was going to ask her for after the show. Anyway, we'll hold off that. Uh, but before we bring Max on to talk about uh, the poll and the, sh- and the state of Chicago politics, Monroe, here's the situation. As soon as that uh, letter was released, the uh, bar letter yes. that you're alluding to, yes. uh, Donald Trump went on a counterattack. And Donald Trump uh, said that he wants to investigate the investigators. Of course. Sorry, well, fo- he's been wanting to investigate him, but now he really wants okay, to Okay, he really wants. But here's a problem. Uh, we could be coming into one of those Donald Trump moments where he shoots off his mouth. Remember, like, uh, we're going to build a wall and Mexico will pay for it yes. moment. Yes. If he starts investigating the investigators, it's going to be really hard. Follow me what I'm about to tell yeah. you to keep the public from seeing what it is they're investigating. And that is essentially the Mueller report. Do you follow what I just told oh, yeah. you? So the more he asks to investigate the investigators, the greater the pressure is to see what they're investigating. And that would be the report. He he opens up, but he has has so many legal issues. You know, he he has um, the Southern District of New York is really his his Achilles heel because that's where he did most of his corruption in New York before he was president. Uh, So and and they are fools to have a a RICO investigation Mm -hmm. going on. in 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 Washington, they're looking into the Emoluments Act. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was here last week, I I gave them too much credit. You know, they have the, uh, the 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 federal government mm-hmm. in doing the investigation. As it turns out, it's three Republican judges, and they're a bit skeptical about whether um, Trump actually violated the Emoluments mm. Act. They've they've voiced that through through their reaction to things. 
Well, so that may not happen. All right, Monroe Anderson's like yes. Uh, Max Temkin is in the studio. We're going to bring him on, take a brief break. We right back. We're going to switch our conversation back to the poll that came out uh, a couple days ago regarding the state of politics in this great city of Chicago. We'll be right back. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for your Wednesday, March 27th is just moments away. But before we go any further, we have to thank the following unions for helping make this show possible. First off, the International Association of Machinist and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Big thank you to them once again for helping make this show possible. And this wouldn't be possible without our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, hour number two, let's go. Yes, it is Wednesday, March 27th, and live from the Chicago Reader Suntime Studios on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome Cards Against Humanity creator Max Timken and teacher-slash-activist, the one, the only, Erica Wozniak. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Yes, indeed, Monroe Anderson is sticking around, uh, but we brought in Max Temkin. He is, as Dennis said, the creator of Cards Against Humanity. He's also a uh, a political activist in the city of Chicago, and as such, has come up with a great poll, a very inf- uh, informing poll about the state of the mind of Chicago. And so, Max, first of all, welcome to our new humble digs here on the it's, West Loop. It's great to be here, even better than before. Even better than before. All right, let's quote him on that and start airing that one out. Tweet it out, man. Uh, yes, uh, somehow or other, I've managed to survive, Max. <laughs> <laughs> I got hit with. They a, sure, they sure tried. <laughs> yeah, they tried, man. They did what they could. Knocked me out, drove me a truck over me, but somehow or other, I got up and I walked 
walked away. Uh, all right, and I have this poll right here in front of me, and I just pushed the wrong button, and it went away. But um, What do you want to know? I got it. All right, you have it right in front of you. I don't know why I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I pushed the wrong button. Anyway, well, ben, oh, here we go. That's a little something I like to call professionalism. Yeah, here we go. I pushed it. Here we go. <laughs> Mayoral runoff election poll. All right, first of all, uh, why did you take the poll? So... The, uh, the poll is something that I've done with Melissa Harris. She used to be a, a business writer at the Chicago Tribune, and um, now she does uh, communications and event planning and PR and has uh, for a lot of cool clients here in Chicago. And uh, this is like the polls, like a service that we do for our clients. You know, political campaigns do internal polling all the time. Mm-hmm. Big companies do polls all the time. Lots of sort of powerful and elite people in Chicago do these polls. <laughs> Oh, oh, I see. Uh, my, we're, getting some, we're getting some really relaxing music here. It's very, yeah, it's really chilling me out. Yeah. And uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, this is like a service that we've, we've, we've both done for our clients before. And at some point we realized, like, why, we were kind of wondering, like, why don't people release these to the public? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, you know, I don't know. There's no, it doesn't, it doesn't make it less useful to our clients if we release it to the public. So we started doing that. And um, there's a lot of media interest and a lot of curiosity, and uh, now uh, this one we did in partnership with uh, Cranes Business Chicago and uh, WTTW News. Right, well, it, most of the attention was focused on the uh, breakdown between those who prefer uh, Lori Lightfoot and uh, those who prefer Tony Perkins. Obviously, that's going to be the lead. I think yeah. it was like 53% to 17% Lori over Tony. I'm more interested in the other things uh, you found when you did the poll uh, that to me is like a little deeper dive into the psyche of Chicagoans. So let's do, just take a look, move away from the horse race and talk about, first of all, the first thing, how likely are you to vote? And I, I, I'm sorry, I gotta jump. I just gotta say, this is what I love about your show and the work you're doing, because I've done I mean, I've done a lot of media talking about the poll, and everyone's like, forget about all the interesting stuff you found. Who's gonna win the mayor's race? Yeah. I love that you're like, we don't care about that. Let's get into the tiffs. Like, yeah, this is, we'll get to tiffs. No, right. no, I'm just saying, this is, I mean, this is what I love about you. This is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, thank you, sir. I uh, Well, uh, I'll get to the tiffs. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm burying the Ben Jarofsky lead, because I will get to the tiffs. I give you credit for asking about a tiff. I am, one of my pet peeves, Max, I'm going to go on a rail here, is that in these debates, you, this is the biggest program we have in the city of Chicago. I know I'm speaking about this, Max, I've written thousands of articles on the subject, but to get a TIFF question in a debate, it's like, are you kidding me? There's like, they're not sure that it's a real thing. You know what I'm saying, Mac? Yeah. Maybe well, hope You know, in general, I, I, my, I don't know, I'm curious what your feelings are, because I've watched a couple of these uh, events with Lori and Tony, you know, I saw the, the NBC News one, and I felt like I was really, I mean, I, I actually like both of them, but personally, from, from everything I've seen in my interactions with them, but like, the sniping back and forth, like, I feel like we didn't, they're like not talking about the policy issue. And it was it was very disappointing. I'm very disappointed as well. I was turned off uh, almost from the get go, and I have to say, just to be fair, I mean, Tony Perkwinkle started it the election night. She came at uh, Lori hard, and I guess right. that was the strategy. They were following the ROM strategy in 2015. Uh, I've had this conversation with Kitty Kurth many times. You try to brand your opponent before your opponent can identify themselves. Kitty, yeah. come on the. Why aren't you on the mic? No, come no, on the Kitty, mic. sit there. Wait, wait, I'm gonna because right. I have a whole Joe Biden thing I want to ask her about. We'll get to that later. I'm gonna. Roll, I'm gonna bring in Kitty on later. Okay. But I got you. Right. Okay, so yes, right. I've been right. very disappointed. Why should you expect the women to act differently than men? 
uh, the question she said uh, is, why should women act differently than men? All right. Well, let me get to the first. And yes, you're right. Why should they? I'm just saying uh, it wasn't even because they were women that I wanted a more elevated debate. I just expect more uh, from elected officials in general. But um, I know I'm asking a lot. First poll. First question. On April 2nd will be an election in Chicago for mayor. How likely would you say you are to vote in this election? I think it's 84 percent say there. I have a hard time believing that. I think this is the one of those issues. Issues where people are asked, I said this yesterday, Max, I'm going to repeat the joke, that it's like, do you eat your broccoli before or after you eat your right. chocolate cake? Well, we're we're not randomly dialing through the phone book. We're, we're starting with people who we think are like, we're, we're using uh, information in public records to pick people who we think are likely voters. And then we're at the first thing we're confirming with them, we're basically saying, we think you're pretty likely to vote. Are you going to vote? I see. And in this case, that tells you how good the model is that we're starting from of we were right. 84% of the time. And since this is a poll of likely voters, um, anyone who said they weren't going to vote, we were like, thanks for your time. Okay. And we let them go. All right. I have to tell you this is a, a person I know I've talked about this on the show uh, who says she is not going to vote for, in the mayor's race, that she doesn't like either candidate or doesn't feel comfortable voting for either candidate. But she will vote for in the treasurer's race, and she will vote uh, in her automatic runoff race. But she mm. just cannot bring herself to vote for Tony or Lori for a whole bunch of reasons. Mm. Uh, does that 84% calculate people like that? Or is that does that 84% mean that they're, they are actually just going to... They're not going to vote at all. They're not even going to go to the polls. That is a, I don't have an answer for you on that. I mean, the way the question is phrased, we said there will be an election in Chicago. This is, I'm reading from the, the, yeah. the sheet here. So this is like literally the script we said to people. So we'd say, hello, my name is Max. I'm calling from IA, a national public opinion research firm. We're not selling you anything. We're conducting a survey. Just a few weeks from now, there's going to be an election in Chicago for mayor. How likely would you say you are to vote in this election? Based on that wording, I would say... If you probably were like, even if you were going to go vote for, you know, Pawar or something like that for treasurer, if you weren't going to vote for mayor at that point, we might terminate the call just based on the way, you know, what, I don't know, what would you say? You'd say no. You'd probably say no, right? No, I'm not going to vote. Yeah, for I'm mayor. not going to vote for mayor. Yeah. I can't bring myself to vote for either candidate. Or that would emerge uh, when you got to the question number three. If the election were held today, right. uh, who would you vote for, Tony or Lori? Right. And then there's the undecided. This person's not undecided. This person is flat out decided, right. I'm not voting for either one of these you know people. You know, I have an interesting thought about that, which is, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of regular Americans think about voting that way. They think uh, neither of these candidates appeal to me. No one has sort of said what they're going to do for me in my life. I'm not going to vote. And I think when I am on Democratic campaigns, I think Democrats have a certain entitlement sometimes where they feel like, well, that's our group, right? Black people. That's our group. Of course, they're going to come out for us. And I'm always thinking in the back of my head, you have to earn those votes. You didn't. You, they're not your people. They're you will earn those votes by having policies that help their lives. And I think you can learn a lot of, uh, in my opinion, a lot of what's gone wrong nationally for the Democratic Party is this idea of entitlement to blocks and people and votes and not doing the legwork to earn that. Well, that's it. Definitely what went down in 2016 across the board, not just with Monroe Anderson. I talked about this all the time, not just with black voters like in Milwaukee or Detroit, etc., but white rural voters as well. Yeah, but but the thing is, the uh, Russians were running the bots, um, discouraging blacks from showing up to suppress the black vote. They were running... uh, 
I, I agree with what you're saying now. And Max, I, I know we're talking Chicago, but I have to get your thoughts on this. Yeah. Monroe and I have been talking uh, uh, yeah. about this uh, all uh, for all day today, and we've talked about it forever because we always talk Trump. Yeah. In your humble opinion, yes, should the Democratic Party drop the issue? of the Russian investigation and yeah. Russians' inf- interference and just deal with things like healthcare and just leave it behind, yeah. or should they pursue it? So, uh, it may surprise you to know that I have very complicated feelings about this. I mean, the first thing I would, I'm just gonna say for the record here is the Russians definitely fucked with you. Can I swear on this yes, podcast? You did. They, Not only did you just it, swear, but you can't, it's a podcast! Yeah, right. Whoops, you got that five second, you gotta dump that. No, there's no button, Tom button or anything. By the uh, way, you yeah. get the you get the, the blue Mustang. You're the first person to drop the f bomb on the new Ben Jarovsky show. Hey, there we go. Well, the Russians definitely fucked with the election. I mean, I think that's beyond. I think it's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. I think there was the we had you had irregularities in the vote. And leave aside the Russians, the Republican Party. Interf- they they hacked the election. You saw it in Georgia. You saw it in North Carolina. We we have a, a crisis of election integrity in this country. The people who must deal with that issue are elected officials in Congress. That's their job, right? They they have political power. They sit on committees. They have a staff. That's their job to deal with. In my view, I always think about what what can I do? And I work on, I'm an activist. I work on campaigns and elections. There's really nothing I can do that affects, you know, Bob Mueller and corruption and Russia. I mean, I'm mad about it and I read about it in the news, but like, what am I going to do? I'm going to write an angry letter. Mm-hmm. What can I do? What I could do is I could go talk to someone about their health care. I could go talk to them about their taxes. I can talk to them about these issues that affect their lives. That, to me, I think we have to understand how to build a base of political power, which is to talk about programs that affect people's everyday lives. And then once we have power, we need to be smart and we need to say, we're gonna clean up elections in this country. We're gonna make it so the Russians can't hack into things again and you know, monkey with these Facebook ads and things like that. But like, I, I will say like I was at a, I heard this from, um, I don't know, some, uh, who was it? It was, uh, 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 who's the 2012, Jim Messina, the 2012 uh, campaign manager for Obama. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had seen some study that the average American um, consumes every week four minutes of news, which is crazy That's to me. It? Four minutes a week. That, I'm just repeating something yeah. I heard from a guy. I don't know if That's this is true am- or not. That's but, amazing. Yeah. But, you know, for me and you, like, I probably consume, I mean, I consume four hours of news a day. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you know, shoot into my veins, yeah. right? Like, yeah. uh, like I already want to know what's going on on Twitter right now, and yeah. I'm having a conversation yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, but I think to the average American, I mean, I'm following this Russia stuff an inch away from it, and I'm very excited, and I think it's really scandalous and interesting. But, like, I think most people are like, what does this have to do with my life? Like, I don't care. What do I care? Like, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't mess with me. I don't care. Well, then there's two issues. One uh, is the issue of using it as a tactic to get the average person to vote for a Democratic candidate, which is one issue. And then the second issue, of course, is the one that concerns me and News Junkie. I want to know what happened. I right. want to know what went right. down. And right. that, like a Kitty Kurth or Monroe Anderson, we're obsessed I with know. that kind of stuff. But you know what? We're never going to get it as long as Mitch McConnell's the majority leader. That's a fact. And there's nothing we can do. We got to build. We have to have a base of political power. Like, let me put it another way. Let's say the Mueller report becomes public right now and in it there's a horrible indictment you know the, the worst crimes we find out about trump you think anything's going to happen there's no political will to do anything we're not going to impeach him everything's going to be the same the sun's going to come up tomorrow and we're going to be living in the same political reality as when we went to bed the night before that is the depressing reality of the political situ- situation that we have now even if it does say that 
there was in fact uh, conspiracy, not the collusion. In, is a in my word. opinion, I think that the Republican leadership are are morally bankrupt. Yeah, I think they, they do not care about this country. I think they care about preserving their own political power. And I don't think there's anything in that report. I, I mean, I think they have. I, at this point, they're in it too, right? They're yeah. co-conspirators. Right. They're going down with the ship. And I think they're gonna. They're as long as they're in there, as long as Mitch McConnell is the majority leader in the Senate, it it sort of doesn't matter what the truth is because we're never going to get any justice. Well, I, I got to tell you this. Um, I hear what you're saying in regards to uh, the hardcore Republican voter. The, uh, I, the quotes I was reading in today's paper were just hilarious. I was going to share them with Monroe, but they're buried in there somewhere where these uh, Trump voters throughout the country that the New York Times people interviewed were saying, we're sticking with, we knew this, this was a witch hunt, da, 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 even though he's not officially been exonerated. Right, exactly. Uh, so... But I'm always thinking about what uh, David Axelrod's proverbial swing voters in Maryland, and this is, of course, the Democrats' biggest problem. They just act as though they're the only voters in a race, but that the suburban, proverbial su- suburban swing voter in Maryland that they're always so worried about. But I got to believe, unless I'm going to lose all faith uh, in uh, humanity, uh, Max, that uh, an, a person who's not a card-carrying Republican would be swayed by uh, evidence, concrete evidence, that the president of the United States was obstructing justice. You know, I think we live in a time where it's very easy to create, to live in your own reality. And one way to think about that, I mean, we all, it's obvious where that happened. We can all look at the Republicans and be like, look at these nutbags over here and all the <laughs> QAnon and all this crazy stuff that they believe. But like, let's look in the mirror for a second. How many people do you and I know who every day on Facebook do like Mueller's got them and their secret indictments and it's coming out and guess what? It came out and yeah. there's nothing. I mean, yeah. I mean the president, let me, um, the, the president's not going to be impeached. Let's be honest. I mean, it's not the, what, what's going to be in there, right? It's not going to happen. The, the, none of that stuff came to fruition. And how many people, built that little, you know, mind palace for yeah. themselves and they cons- that was the only news they read and they were reading all the blog posts and the conspiracies and it, you can do it on either side and uh, I I don't so I, I don't know man I think I think uh, I still think in terms of the to separate out the truth of what happened and the the need for justice I mean I recognize that and I I think I hope we get there but to, to on the other side of like how do we get how do we hold political office like how do we win some fucking elections here i think we've got to meet we have to have some issues that affect people's lives and i think if you go to whatever some this your swing voter in maryland and you're like but what about you know russia and trump and corruption like i don't care they're like what about my taxes what about my health care hmm. what about my family i think that's always why people get out of bed and vote do you agree well, with yeah, that one yeah, yeah no I, I i don't completely agree with you i i think that, okay, the, the hearings are being held in the House on mm-hmm. the various Trump criminal acts and what have you, and incompetencies. Those live hearings uh, with people talking, so it's not just, it, it, it's going to be reality TV of a sort. If enough of that comes out where the polls start shifting, and it looks like the Republicans are going to have another blue wave and if Mitch thinks that he can throw Trump under the bus to to maintain his leadership, his majority in the sen- in the Senate, 
I think he'll do it. You think he, I don't know. They're awfully afraid of Donald Trump. No, I'm saying with the polls changing yeah, now. They, the they won't be, yeah, no, if, if people start seeing that stuff. Huh? I hope you're right. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and it's a long shot. I mean, that is yeah, a long right, shot. Exactly, yeah. but I, I think that's possible. Yeah. I, all right, now let's go back to the poll. We went on a, a long <laughs> tangent here, but that, that's what happens on my show, uh, Max. All right, would you say things in Chicago, going back to the poll, that yep. uh, would you say things in Chicago are generally headed in the right direction, or would you say things are pretty seriously off the wrong track? And I'm trying to read the right direct, wrong track looks to be 50%, right? 50, on, 51. 51%, yep. and right direction looks, by my calculation, I don't know, 30%, but I'm looking at this thing. Is that, yeah, tw- it's, so it's 28 right direction, 51 wrong track. All right, what do you make of that? Uh, well, Ben, I would say in my analysis, most uh, Chicagoans feel the city's uh, on the wrong track. <laughs> <I had> to... <laughs> it's like these sports guys, right? It's like, well, you know, I, I guess what they're going to have to do is put more uh, points on the scoreboard if they're going to win, you know? Yeah, exactly. 28%. They're going to have to move that ball down the field, way, Ben. Max, I think you got a good point there. That's really, that's yeah, why we see, bring you know, them on, that student analysis. That's why you make the big bucks, you know? Yeah, 28 to 50, that would say. Yeah, but it's all about moving that ball down the field, yeah. you know? Well, let me rephrase the question. Uh, I guess it's, do you think that's like the, I guess that's the way it's always been. I'm always thinking that the city of Chicago is on the wrong track, Max. You know what I'm saying? I don't think anything yeah. has changed. And that's just me speaking. No, I mean, I mean how, you open up you open up the paper and like how many, how many stories do you see about uh, problems <laughs> in our city versus how many things do you see about these yeah. great stories about things getting getting fixed, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, 28 to 50. That's uh, actually kind of low. If you, yeah. you know, cause I guess that, that falls under the category. I want to, you know, people say it's on the right track or like someone to say, yeah, I'm going to vote. You know, that's a good civic thing to say. We're on the right track. All right, how closely are you following? Now, here's where we're getting to the good stuff. Uh, how closely are you following the Lincoln Yards development? That was one of the questions uh, that you asked. And uh, why did you, uh, you're, uh, you know, you're in a, sort of an exception of the rules. I said yeah. earlier. Not a lot of people uh, in the media, and, and when you did this, you are in the media, whether you want to be or not. Uh, not a lot of people in the media asked this particular question. Right. Uh, so why did you ask it? Well, I think we're, I'm, I'm interested, you know, we were just having this conversation before, right, about like it, nationally, right? How do you win an election? What, what do people care about? And we're talking about, well, do people care about their tax bill? Do they care about climate? Do they care about Trump, Russia? I don't know. I mean, I have my gut, but it's nice to ask people and, and, and hear what they have to say. Um, you know, at least where I live up on the North side, right by that Lincoln yards thing. And for me, I would say like, you know, from the people I talk to, that's gotta be like the number one issue in politics. And if, you know, of course everyone's following Lincoln yards, but, uh, you know, what do we see about that one was, uh, only in total 46% of people are, are sort of following that story and have heard about it. And, um, only 19% of Chicagoans are following that story very closely. So another 27% said they're somewhat close, and 19% said just a little. And, you know, something our pollster told us, a way to interpret this is the people who are following it very close, they're probably reading about the story, and the people who say, oh, I'm following it a little bit, like, they they haven't really heard of it. Yeah, uh, and don't know. <laughs> There's a don't know in yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, Using tax increment finance districts, uh, this is uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, totally following. I was actually encouraged uh, by this, Max. Mm-hmm. Totally following is approaching 50%. I, I can't tell exactly from this graph. What's yeah. that, 46%? It's like 45%, yeah. 45% yeah, so, totally following. Yeah, it's the same. You know, interest, very interestingly, the TIF issue is uh, very... Um, 
very close to the Lincoln uh, Yards issue, and they're really the same issue, right? Because that's that's sort of at the heart of it is, uh, to me, the heart of it is there's a, a, a moral case about how we should be using taxpayer money and, and what rights do powerful people in the city have to the taxpayer's money. And uh, the numbers are very similar here, probably not surprisingly. You know, it's the same. 19% of people are following those issues very closely. Yeah, that 19% is listening to this show right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the don't know, <laughs> God, I've failed miserably. What is the don't know? Four, it's 4%. Oh, it's so 4% bad. have never heard of a TIF before. Yeah. and um, But again, this is of likely voters. Yeah. So this is only people who are going to vote in the mayoral race. Well, uh, Max, here's where I always say I've really uh, failed and I've been pursuing this issue for all these years and trying to get people to understand it. And there's uh, there's many different ramifications of a TIF program in Chicago, but the two essential ones, one, it's money that should be spent on areas that really need it and it's being spent in wealthy areas. And two, and this is a citywide thing, it's a tax hike. And all of our elected officials say they're trying to hold a line on taxes. So that what the city, I have to give them credit on this, uh, Max, is they've been very successful at concealing the fact that this is a tax hike so that they take it off the table. So people who have a knee-jerk reaction against taxes, and you get those in your poll, they don't want to see their taxes go up, don't respond that way when they hear about the TIF. Do you follow what I'm saying? They don't see it as a tax hike. Yeah, yeah. A new TIF is better branding than uh, a tax hike. I agree with that. Yeah, and uh, even though it is a tax hike. All right, Max Temkin is in the studio. We're talking about his poll, uh, and we're taking a deep dive on it. Uh, Erica Wozniak has uh, entered the building as well. We're going to be talking to her about her run for alderman in the 46th Ward. We have a lot of political talk ahead of us. We'll be right back after this. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Hey, everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. You know, I like to joke around a lot, but uh, let's get serious for the moment. And I want to tell you about the Chicagoland uh, cremation options. When you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland cremation options provides your family a dignified and affordable cremation service. Chicagoland cremation options helps you bypass the expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery by streamlining the cremation directly. Saying you saving you sometimes thousands of dollars. Chicagoland cremations options crematory just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. Family owned and operated by Douglas Klein. Visit Chicagoland cremations options.com. One more time Chicagoland cremation options.com. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
Ben Jarofsky here. Uh, we've got people. Ben, I don't want to step on your ad, but when you so when you said crematorium, I thought it was like an ice cream thing, and then it really took a turn. I, it was really it was more grim than I thought. No, no, I I, uh, I started. That's why I said, you know, everybody, I like to joke around. Uh, <laughs> right. but now I'm getting serious. Uh, right. So oh, I uh, thought it was going to be some sort of tasty frozen no, no, treat. No, 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 yeah, yeah no, dairy yeah, related. Uh, that is. Uh, uh, sponsor of our show, one of our sponsors, uh, Chicago Land Cremation Options, uh, Douglas Klein. All right. Anyway, uh, Erica Wozniak has joined us in the studio, and uh, longtime listeners of the Ben Jarofsky Show know that she is a a public school teacher in the city of Chicago. B one of the co-hosts of the Girl Talk, that's a monthly show at the Hideout, and C a recent candidate for Alder should be Alder Woman in the 46th Ward. So welcome back, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and um, all right, let's talk. Uh, we're going to bring Max back into the conversation and maybe drag Kitty Kurth into this. I'm going to get a Joe Biden answer out of her. She's talking to Dodge and she doesn't want to answer it, but I'll get her to answer that question. Uh, but first, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the 46 Ward race. Uh, you finished third in how many people were running? There were six of us running, including the incumbent. So and the incumbent is James Kappelman. James Kappelman, yes. All right. And an ally of Mayor Rahm. Big ally of Big Mayor Big ally of Mayor Rahm. Um, so what were your issues when you started off? What were the issues you thought that would elevate you uh, to victory? Yeah, I mean... I- the 46th Ward is such an interesting place, and, and I'm supporting the, the woman who, who got in second place. She's in the runoff right now. Her name is Marianne Lalonde, um, and I certainly encourage listeners to um, to vote for Marianne Lalonde if, if they live in the 46th Ward. Um, the issues in the 46th Ward were very similar to the issues across the city. We were talking about public schools, we were talking about affordable housing, and we were talking about public safety. So those are the three biggest issues that we saw in our race, and it in talking to other candidates, that's what what we see across the city. All right. So when you announced you were running for office, uh, you had issues on all these important topics, uh, and now you're running for office, and you discovered, I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that issues alone are not going to get a candidate elected alderman in the city of Chicago. There's other factors that are involved. Yeah. Am I correct in that uh, assumption? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so talk about some of the other factors that were involved, some of the things you learned as a rookie uh, running uh, for alderman. (laughs) Certainly a rookie. That is the correct word. Um, Well, so we had our our girl talk show last night and it was was really empowering and it was was really... probably my favorite show so far. We had Sue Sadlowski garza Alderwoman of the 10th Ward, um, Alderwoman-elect Maria Haddon from the 49th Ward in Anna Valencia. And we talked, we had this really robust conversation about the difference that a woman experiences than a man who's running for office. And, and our experiences in many ways mirrored each other. And that's something that I really, after the race, wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to elevate some of the experiences that I had as a woman running. Um, in particular, just when I first started, I've been a public figure in Chicago for, for some time. I've done a lot of work. I've hosted the Girl Talk. Um, but my my looks became you know a big topic of conversation, how I wore my hair and my makeup. And, and that was something that I was really kind of like, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with the way that I look? And I think that's something that you know women experience in a way that men certainly don't have to. Um, and that was something that we talked about last night, where other women who are on the stage talked about that quite a bit. They each had similar experiences. Now, when you say that uh, it became an issue, uh, how you looked, how you, uh, 
how you combed your hair, how you wore your makeup, what clothes you wore, et cetera, et cetera. Was it an issue among voters or was it an issue among strategists or tacticians that you brought in who said, look, kid, you want to be elected alderman? You got to get rid of that hairdo. You got to get a new makeup thing. I mean, was it the tacticians or the voters? Yeah. So I think it was in response to what, you know, what we thought the voters would respond to. So it was tacticians. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, yes. But also they, those folks were doing, you know, they were telling me what they thought was going to resonate best with voters mm-hmm. um, and you know me wearing my bright red lipstick which I love so dearly um, wasn't necessarily something that you know they felt voters would uh, respond to as well as you know wearing a, a more muted color which it is perfectly fine I mean that's something that you know you you change your looks uh, but it was something that I really struggled with I, I'm struggling with it right now <laughs> help me out Erica and um, okay why would I've never run for office? I've never worn lipstick, and I've never advised uh, an automatic candidate. So I'm at a loss here. Why would it make a difference uh, to a voter in the city of Chicago if you had bright red lipstick or <laughs> muted red lipstick? You know, I'm not sure if it if it does or not. I just think it's something that that we really looked at. That you know, I'm I'm a tall blonde woman who likes to wear bright red lipstick mm-hmm. and you know colorful dresses. And you know, that's just that's part of who I am. And so I think it was something that you know toning it down a little bit was something that we discussed quite a bit. Um, and to the point that you know, I I just I wore my glasses and I put my hair up and, you know, but I continued to be myself and stay true to the issues. But it was something that, you know, it, listening to other women who were running for office last night, it meant so much to me knowing that they had gone through the same thing. Yeah, that's bo- totally bogus in my humble opinion. <laughs> uh, in fact, if I were in the room, this is why they keep me out of such rooms when these t- tactical decisions are made, I would say, in my humble opinion, that if you're in, a, what what'd you say, there were five people running or six people running? There were five challengers, one incumbent. All right, so you got six people running against, an, and you, you're all only goal you know you're not going to win outright erica you got to get to that runoff and i would say the red lipstick is what's going to get me to the runoff because people are going to go i'm gonna vote for that lady with the red lipstick yeah and i think that's something that you you have to balance i mean do you lean into it or or do you kind of take a step away from it it's you know it's part of it's part of how i feel comfortable it's part of how i feel powerful yeah um and so that's you know it was something that that we you know we talked about quite a bit and and now that I'm sort of out of it, yesterday I went to the makeup store and said, give me the darkest red <laughs> lipstick you have. I want that red stuff. Wait, now, hold on. Now. All right, I want to uh, dwell on the red lipstick, but it is important because we're, we're talking about a, like we're talking about the mentality of Chicago voters uh, with Max before you got here, and this is elemental. <laughs> lipstick matters. Um, did you ultimately bow to the wisdom of the tacticians and mute your red lipstick? Uh, so I I. I did and then I didn't. So once I started, once I sort of went into, you know, wearing, you know, the more muted color and putting my hair up, which I feel comfortable with my hair up. That's not, that wasn't an issue. Um, But it, I just got to the point where I was like, what am I doing? And just be yourself, you know? So I'm not wearing mini skirts and, you know, go-go boots. Yeah. I I just, I decided to just go back into being myself and I felt so much more comfortable and so much more confident. Um, and that really meant a lot to me. And again, going back to last night's girl talk, just knowing that other women had gone through 
through this yeah. and you don't you don't always talk about it because it's something that makes you look weak or vulnerable and so you know talking about your looks you don't even want to sometimes acknowledge your looks mm-hmm. on the campaign trail and so that's something that you know I I felt really strongly about you know sharing that that was something that I experienced you know uh, I had a long conversation with a mutual friend of ours Joanna Klonsky a while back this is during the gubernatorial election and Joanna would t- I'm, I'm on a, I wonder if that was an off the record conversation now I now reveal Kitty Kurth uh, anyway Joanna said to me she could look at his picture of J.B. Pritzker and Pritzker was in a parade and his belly was out and he was looking real schlump no woman could look go out in public and look like that and uh I, I don't know. I mean, have we, what if a woman tried to do that? Yeah. You know what I mean? What if a woman just said, I'm going to f- exercise my inner J.B. Pritzker. Uh-oh, Kitty Kirk feels compelled to say something. Carol Mosley Braun has always said that throughout her political career, which is decades long, it's always been way harder to be a woman than to be a person of color. And she was on my podcast recently, Girl <laughs> Pundits, talking about how um, internationally, all the different places internationally, that she had been with women in public office and all the places that women in public office office are put down in ways that men don't even think about but how hard it is to be a woman running for office yeah and you and you experience that uh same as well yeah i mean i think i think that there there was certainly you know i i I remember talking to another woman aldermanic candidate uh, and she she said to me I just can't wait to wear jeans again which was such a, a you know such a small thing but um, but I would be at these forums with the two other male candidates and they always came in yeah. jeans I could have never gotten away with wearing a pair of jeans at a, at a forum well let me ask you could so you have got have things I changed think that Erica clearly has the wrong tacticians if they're no. telling her to be if anybody tells a candidate to be somebody other than themselves. Yes, should you be should your hair be clean? Should your jeans be clean? Yes. But you should campaign however you feel the most comfortable because the more comfortable you feel the more that you're going to focus on what you're saying and not how you're saying it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that that the people who I was working with are some of the most talented folks in in Chicago, and you know, I obviously was listening to them because I I knew that how talented they were, and, and it was a a different sort of situation where you sort of have to you have to get over those roadblocks of of you know being criticized for your looks, and I know for I, I know a story of um, one of the other people who was running that that I, I won't name names but that they said um erica puts on her glasses when she wants to be taken seriously and i wait warned, time out another <laughs> candidate opponent said that about you at her yes open it forum. wasn't a woman um it was not a woman it was not an it was not a woman but another candidate did say to a volunteer well erica oh, to a vol- okay, put, yeah, yeah erica likes to put on her glasses when she wants to be taken seriously well i'm being taken seriously because i have a body of work of over 15 years and i've been a public school teacher and i'm a candidate for alderman that's that's why i'm going to be taken seriously not because of my glasses so wow, what a trip uh <laughs> and uh all right so let's get away from the way you look uh <laughs> although this is actually an important point eye-opening i don't know what tacticians tell people i'm really disturbed by the state of tacticians in the state of illinois in the state of illinois city of chicago because that's some bad advice in my own opinion all right now um 
let's talk about the issue. You said you want to run an issue-oriented uh, candidacy uh, campaign. I happen to know a little bit about the ward you're running. We're in the 46th ward, and this is fascinating. This gets back to stuff to talk with Max. Uh, you have James Kappelman. He's a longtime ally of Mayor Rahm. He had put together a TIF deal at Montrose and Clare, and it was an actual, absolute uh, ridiculous. ridiculous deal. Talk about gilding the lily, et cetera, et cetera. He felt compelled. He felt compelled to run in that election as though he were a pro-affordable housing activist. And then uh, he got positioned in one of these you know, bizarre zealot moments in the city of Chicago <laughs> where uh, Danny Solis is taking a fall because he's wearing a wire uh, and he's suddenly the chair. He, uh, Kappelman, is the chair of the hearing, the zoning hearing on Lincoln Yards. You talk about that with Mac. You're talking millions and millions of dollars is going to go effectively against the whole notion of affordable housing well it's 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 that they're not they don't have any affordable housing they're paying some fee to not have affordable yeah. housing they, there's i mean there's we're not even pretending that that lincoln yards is going to be anything other than this like dystopian inward facing playground for rich people in corporate headquarters a, 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 absolutely true and that was the same point that they're paying money into a fund to avoid building a uh, public housing erica that was at play with that clarendon montrose yes. Uh, TIF deal that Kappelman sponsored. Here's my question to you. How do we, the people of the city of Chicago, time after time, allow these elected officials to get away with claiming they're doing A when they're actually doing the opposite of A? I have no idea. And we keep on electing these folks who, who are doing this. So that's why I'm so excited for April 2nd, because we have to hold everybody's feet to the fire. Obviously, James Kappelman is in a runoff right now with Marianne Lalonde, and he did not get 56% of the votes in the 46th ward. That's a huge chunk of votes mm -hmm. that he didn't get. Um, and so we have to make sure that we're electing folks who aren't going to do that. I mean, the, the fact that we have aldermen of the 32nd ward, uh, Scott Wagaspin, Back, he's coming out uh, in front of saying this is a misuse of tax dollars, and it's a gross misuse of tax dollars, just like the Clarendon TIF was, just like the DePaul Arena was. We're, we continuously are giving our taxpayer dollars to folks who don't need it, while our schools are crumbling. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw in my my two cents here because I I've been you know I live like I said I live right by this. I've been following the Lincoln Yards issue very closely, and like I think when you you know when you elect someone. You know, I think James has done a lot of great things for the city. He's at times he's been a very progressive alderman for the city. But you, when you want to see someone's character, you, it, it doesn't matter what they do when it's free and easy. It matters when the decision is really difficult and their back is up the wall. Their back is on the wall. Whose side do they take? Right? Do they do the easy thing and do they cave into the powerful elites in the city who put pressure on them, or do they take a principled stand for the people? And I think we had a, that it just couldn't be a clear illustration to me of the way that business is done in this city that that zoning meeting proceeded, even though we had just had this <laughs> reform election, the two candidates that made it onto the ballot didn't want to have this meeting, didn't want the zoning to happen. Everyone wants to slow this thing down. The voters could not have spoken more clearly. And somehow Kappelman holds this hearing. The mayor's office steamrolls everyone and you have this very theatrical hearing but the you know obviously the moment they gaveled into session it was it was done so i you know i think that that those are when you it, those are the moments i hope voters watch and they we can see very clearly when our elected officials do us dirty like that well you know it's interesting to say that max because uh the poll that we were talking about that uh, max uh, commissioned about a last week about chicagoans and the people are, are, are being very civic minded when they answer 
the questions and want to want to say yes i follow the issues yes i'm going to vote etc cetera, etc cetera. uh erica but then as max is, is pointing out we had this carnival hearing, which was it was so obviously staged, where uh, James Kappelman, who is running in a contentious race and has to pretend as though he's for affordable housing, says, I want to defer. He's the chairman. He should get to defer the freaking thing. And uh, what, what was it? Walter Burnett? Or I can't remember yeah. which one. Ben, do you know? Do you do you watch professional wrestling at all? Is anyone like a, a wrestling person? Uh, that man you know, right there. Do loves. you know? Can you, are you? Do you have a mic over there? Yeah, yeah. Tell us what kayfabe is. Oh, what is yeah, kayfabe? Yeah. Kayfabe is like talking in like wrestling terms. Like if uh, Hulk Hogan were in here right now and he was like, "Brother, I'm going to take you down." <laughs> but kayfabe, but it's more kayfabe is the fiction. It's yeah. this fabric that goes. Oh, it's this. It's the. It's the fiction of the reality of wrestling, right? It's this fabric that goes over the whole thing, and you keep kayfabe at all times, and you pretend that that wrestling is real. Even even when you're doing interviews or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when Hulk Hogan is speaking in that voice, he's keeping kayfabe because he's in the character, right? This is the kayfabe of Chicago politics. It's the it's the fiction. Mm-hmm. It's the little drama that we play out in city council where it's Alderman, I have emotion, and it's fucking done. It's done. The deal was made behind closed doors. It This is a little show for the people. And, you know, in this case, like, I was naive enough to think, oh, maybe we'll we'll have, like, a hearing here and a debate and a, an equitable decision. And no, it was so obvious that this thing was decided before anyone walked in the doors. Next question in the next poll. Want a you voter? Do you think there's anything legit about Chicago politics? <laughs> yes or no? Let's see if the yes is that way. All right, Erica. So my question to you: You ran in the 46th ward uh, in the midst of all this. Did voters in the 46 wards actually fall for the wrestling rhetoric uh, that Max and Dennis were talking about? Do you think they actually believed the game that went down in city council? I think the folks who were already you know with Kappelman uh, believed it. I think the folks who who understood you know the theatrics of it did not they knew that it was a a dog and pony show um and i mean that whole city council meeting was just it was just so so horrifying just as a voter as a as a public servant um i was just so disappointed in in yeah the theatrics of it it seemed uh it seemed just so phony all right that's erica wozniak with me in the studio as well is mac temskin we'll be right back after this If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp, that's C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, man, take us home. All right, that's Erica Wozniak and the Piano Man. <laughs> the woman teaches. She wears ruby red lipstick. She hosts wow. a girl talk. 
She ran for Alder Woman, and she plays a mean piano. All right, that oh. means we're coming to the end. She's of good. The, she can do it all, man. Like Elton Find John. <laughs> By the way, there's an Elton John movie coming out soon. I'll be the only one in Chicago who cares. Um, oh, Erica, what are you like Elton John? Okay, it's a generational thing. Have you seen Us? Yes or no? Uh, n- no. Oh, have you seen it? It's way too scary for me. I'm not going to see it. Oh, that. man, it's awesome. I'm trying to find anybody who's seen it. All right. Uh, <laughs> so that, that beautiful music means we're at uh, the end of a show. But I brought have a la- couple questions. A little, you know, one of the good things about podcasts, you go over time a little bit. Nobody's really watching. Nobody's paying attention anyway um, to whether you go over time or not. I got Kitty Kurth here as well. I'm going to ask her uh, a Joe Biden question. But, uh, D, why don't you play up that... Uh, Bobby Rush clip. I've been asking pretty much everybody who comes through the studio. We talked a lot about this yesterday uh, with Rod Joy was in the studio and uh, Anthony Clark was in the studio as well. Bobby Rush's attitudes about people who vote for Lori Lightfoot. All right. Well, hang tight here. I got uh, so I have Bobby Rush, the quote from Bobby Rush, and then I have the responses from the candidates. So let me uh, go ahead and pull up the Bobby Rush clip first. And here is Robert Bob Rush. Everybody who votes for Lori All right, that's Bobby Rush. So we're going to start with that. Uh, your thoughts? I'm just going to go to you, Erica. Your thoughts when you hear that? Yeah, I mean that's a lot. It's it, it's that's a huge statement, um, and I, I think he took it too far. Max, you know, I I would say. Uh, I think police, real police reform is got to be one of the most urgent issues on the city. And and I think Tony's probably closer to, to my, you know, I, I think Tony would, would get, I think on that issue, she probably has the stronger portfolio to sort of tackle that issue. But I also think nothing is going to change in the city, including police reform, with this current culture of corruption. And... For me, I, I'm always thinking about what is we've got to change the way we do business in the city, or else we're never going to have a, a real debate about this stuff. We're never going the people are never going to have the power to affect any of this. And uh, so I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings. I feel I, I feel I feel like uh, I certainly don't think I could like defend Lori's career and, and her history with with Chicago police, but uh, I do think she has the potential to bring the reforms we need to the city to 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 change this issue. And when you talk about the, the culture of corruption in the city of Chicago, uh, what would be at the top of the list that has to change? What would be at the top of the list? Um, well, I mean, where to even start? I mean, like the, the pay to play and the just the out, I mean, outright bribery of public officials, I mean, play. I think has got to be up there. Um, you know, Lori said she's interested in reexamining aldermanic prerogative and city council, which I would love to. I'd love to. I mean, I know everyone freaks out when we talk about that, but what does it look like not to? Do? You know, like we we've it's not working. So what mm-hmm. else do we have? Like, let's figure something out. What would you put at the top of the political corruption in Chicago? I mean, I think we start with campaign finance reform uh, because that's that's where a lot of the pay to play comes in, um, and I think that that it trickles down from there. And how you just got off a campaign. I did. What was campaigning? What was raising money like? Oh, it's the worst part. I mean, ask any candidate. It's it's really hard. I uh, I spent twenty hours a week on the phones raising money, um, and I was lucky. I had institutional support with some of the the large labor unions, um, but. 
but it's if you're not a rich person who has access to rich people, it's really difficult to raise money on a campaign, and a twenty-five dollar co- contribution goes a really long way. Yes. I'll, I'll I'll just throw out really quickly. You know, New York did publicly financed elections, and it's really cleaned up their municipal politics, and it's given an opportunity to many people like Erica to run for off. You know, new young people who aren't already corrupted by the system to get into politics and get elected. Chicago, we had a ballot initiative a few years ago, and something like 70% of voters wanted to see publicly financed elections. I've never understood why we didn't. Well, of course I understand why. But <laughs> we don't have the political courage in this city to change that. Max, that just the ballot initiative, what a joke in the city. You talk about things that are part of the political corruption. This little spasm every now and then where we throw to the vote, hey, what do you think about X, Y, Z? You know, and then we're going to ignore I worked, it. I worked on that, and I'll give you a little bit of the gossip on that, all okay. right? I, I hope I'm not... I hope I'm not. Oh, no one listens to this anyway. It'll be fine. Um, I hope so, you're wrong on that point. <laughs> I hope you're wrong about that. Uh, I hope I'm not uh, uh, blowing anyone up here. But yeah, I worked on that with uh, Common Cause Illinois on that ballot initiative. And the way that it went down was, you know, constitutionally, we're only allowed to have two ballot two or three initiatives three ballot initiatives right and there was a big movement that year to have a ballot initiative on a publicly elected school board and mayor rahm's office was like we absolutely cannot have a ballot initiative on a publicly elected school board so they were like get me anything that's not a publicly elected school board (laughs) and i was working with common cause and we're like how about publicly financed elections and they were like we love it. Wow. And that's I think that's how it came to be. Dang. Yeah. That is so cynical. Chicago politics. Go ahead. Let me go back to Bobby Rush for a minute. Go ahead. Bobby Rush is 72 years old. Uh-huh. I've only known him since 1983 or 84 when he was an alderman. And then I knew him. I worked at the DCCC when he was first elected to Congress. And he's done many good things along the way. But he has now eligible for many good public pensions and he's 72 years old and I would say this if he was here and I say it with love in my heart but it is time for Congressman Rush to retire yeah yeah and uh, coming on the and and the the rhetoric that we heard from him this week is is absolutely an example of that we don't need that rhetoric in politics it's time to go no matter who's saying it we don't need that and it's time for Congressman Rush to retire. Katie Kurth, telling it like it is, uh, particularly after Bobby Rush. And I'm with you. I remember Bobby Rush from back in the day and uh, many interviews with Bobby Rush, but particularly after he endorsed Bill Daly in the first round. And I, the, the question I kept asking yesterday is, would he have given that speech at a Bill Daly rally? Imagine if Bill Daly were in the runoff <laughs> against Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> I mean, the same issue would be at stake, right? right you know, right. if you think Bill Daly is the person who's going to stop police brutality, then well, you should... just just play the you know just play a video of the rally and just put a little Bill Daly face on Tony Preckwinkle and see how it rolls. All right, now before I ask you the Joe Biden question, I have to ask Erica this: uh, You just got finished running for office uh has this deterred you from ever doing this again or did it leave you wanting to get back in the in the race absolutely not it was a really great experience uh i had such a talented team and we had so many volunteers and i was really proud of the race that i ran um we didn't do the mudslinging i mean we'd certainly called the current alderman out on 
on the money that he took and the votes that he took. But we, we didn't, we, we ran a, a campaign that I can bring back to my students and say, I'm proud of this. Um, and as, as all of this is happening in our city too, our kids are watching. I mean, they see these commercials on TV. They're, they're hearing the news. And I think that's so important to remember as, you know, it's a campaign, but it's so much more important to, to make sure that you leave that campaign being proud of the work, being proud of the issues that you elevated. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of the campaign that I, that I ran. And I'm also really proud of Marianne's campaign too. And I'm, I'm more than happy to support her. Uh, and uh, Max, uh, the whole notion of negativity working. Uh, Erica went, she did the Michelle Obama route. Uh, <laughs> she, she went high when they went low. Uh, yeah. You've been in, watching Chicago politics for a while. You think that? Uh, well, I, th- I, you know, Ben, I think, um, I think I'm thinking about the, what you were talking about with the lipstick. And I think um, things are changing in politics. There's a, a generational change in who the, the voter blocks are and who's who who cares and i think that what's become what to me i think what's the most important thing for a candidate is authenticity and 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 being a real person and uh, not being phony and uh i think that candidates there's some candidates who are angry and it works for them to go negative and voters you know bernie sanders right this is a guy who's really fired up he's really mad a lot of people look at that and they're like i feel it right he's real like look at him he's up there he's yelling he, he's mad like i'm mad there's other candidates who are relentlessly positive and they want to uh, have a different brand of politics. And if that's authentic to them, then that can work. Um, same goes for the lipstick and, and all these other issues. Like, I think I think I, I hope that's a change that we see in our politics is that um, that, that this whole dogma of like, was there a, a right? What's the right way or the wrong way? Or should you do this or that? Like, the answer is always it depends. The always it's always it depends on, on who you are and what's at stake in the race. And just to add on to that really quickly, as far as the authenticity went in my race in particular, I was being my authentic self except for, you know, how I really wanted to dress. So, I mean, that's something that I can, I can feel good about. And that's something that obviously my team was very passionate about as well. All right, Kitty Kurth, you're not leaving unless you talk about Grandpa Joe Biden. That (laughs) was your boy. Oh, I'm sorry. We call him Grandpa. Isn't he a grandpa? As well oh, as an yes, uncle? Yes, of course he's All right. I, but you don't want to accentuate the age. He's all right. a silver fox. All right. So uh, are you, <laughs> are, are you going to join his uh, team this time around? I knew you were a big Joe Biden fan a few if years ago. If I'm back. invited, I will join it. If he runs, I will likely join it. That said, I am, I've been out in Iowa. We're working on some issue stuff. And honestly, I'm so excited about all the Democrats running and all the choices and all the ideas. There's an event in Storm Lake, Iowa on Saturday with five different candidates, like all talking about ideas that are important to rural Iowans. Like, that's good. It's good for them to have that education, the candidates themselves to learn about the issues and figure it out. But there's great candidates. I love Joe Biden. He's a wonderful man. I am not 100% convinced in my own mind that he should be the next president, but I want to hear from him, and I want to hear from Amy Klobuchar, and I want to hear from Kamala Harris, and I want to hear from Mayor Pete. You know, I want to hear from Julian Castro. I want to hear from all these guys. There's 
there's ideas out there. We've got a lot of problems. We need a lot of ideas. And in, to my opinion, the more the merrier. Plus, it means all the young Democratic operatives get jobs. All right, so well, I'm that's really good too. happy. And let's hope they don't advise uh, Joe Biden to uh, take away his red uh, ruby lead or to lipstick. Take, well, to take away his authenticity. But coming back, you know, one of the reasons people like Joe Biden is because he's authentic. One of the reasons why people liked John McCain is because he was authentic. Are they the same? No. But they were each authentic to themselves. I think even like John Boehner, the former Speaker of the House, even if you didn't disagree with him, you had to kind of like that John Boehner was always going to tell you what he thought, and he wasn't going to bullshit you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that is Kitty Kurth, and she's feeling the podcast vibe of this show as well. Well, he already dropped <laughs> he already the F-bomb. Yeah, so I can say shit. Uh, yes, you can, <laughs> and you have, and you will. And uh, we're going to get you back to talk podcast, about... Podcast, 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 podcast. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking... The April 2nd Madness uh, will be over uh, in on April 2nd, of course. And we'll be talking uh, a lot about the upcoming Democratic primary and all the candidates running. So I want to thank Kitty hey, Kirk. Can, can I plug an event? Is that cool? When does this come Absolutely. out? Absolutely. When's this uh, out? Well, first of all, it's streaming live as we speak. It's live? So your um, your F-bomb has been heard by thousands and billions of people. Uh, oh, but then we did the out, official download is uh, in about an hour. So go oh, ahead. Oh, great. Plug, all right. Plug, well, plug. this Thursday night, I'm going to be at uh, IO Comedy Theater with uh, Marianne Lalonde doing a little comedy show for the race. So if you want to hear from her and see some great comedy, Comedy and uh, uh, meet me. I'll be there. Come and you do stand uh, up. Give her. Why well, we do like uh, comedy and improv and stuff? Yeah, we have our we have like our monthly cards against humanity show. I yeah, did not know a, you personally. Show with us. I should come to. I did not know you personally got a bus. Yeah, I did not know you do a show with us. It's oh. fun. Come and co-host with me. Oh, okay, fun. let's do it, man. Yeah, but come out on uh, on. Uh, th- get, are you looking up the time? Get yeah. time. Kitty's and, frantically tapping on her phone. I th- it's you'll find it on her website. Marianne Lalonde I O. Google it. You'll uh, figure it Thursday. Out. This the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thursday night. Oh, tomorrow. Yeah, I lost for track of time. All right, that's Mac Temskin, Erica Wozniak, Kitty Kurth, Monroe Anderson, who was early, and of course the man, the myth, the legend behind the board, pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. The ladies all love him for his body and mind. The great Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board with us in this adventure. And of course, today's show is brought to you by our friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor.